Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Have you seen that Burger King ad? Burger King? No. Hungry Jacks, baby. Dunk, Dunkin' Donuts. Because <laughs> it says he, he has a song, it's Dunkachino. They say, what's your name? Hey, it's Al Pacino. And he goes, no, it's not. It's Dunk. And they go, Dunkachino? And then he does a rap. It's in an Adam Sandler movie. And it's very funny. <laughs> and it goes downhill from here, folks. Truly does. Hi, Kate. Hello. Dominic, fancy seeing you here. <laughs> Bumping into you just randomly. Oh my God, it's so weird. How are you going today? I'm feeling a bit flat, to be perfectly honest. I think I sense that. I sense that vibe. I'm, I think I'm in like a winter rut or something. Oh yeah, I hear that. Although the weather today was lovely, did you get a chance to go outside today? No, I'm just working a lot and now it's dark already. I just think I'm having, I'm in a funk phase and it's really strange. I don't know what it's about. So I need a really scary story, Kate, to like buzz the energy back into me. To jolt you out of it. Yeah, electrify me. Ooh, it's electrifying. Uh, I can John Travolta you all day. I'm not entirely sure what that means. And so I'm sorry if it's offensive because it could be. Um, I have a story for you today and here we go. It could be, you could be feeling in a rut because you're actually a secret twin and you didn't know that. And your twin is also feeling in a rut today and you don't know it. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm obviously the Better twin. If there were twins, I'd be the best one. So obviously, that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the sense that the story today is based on twins. What? No, it's actually around tissue boxes. <laughs> but thank you for asking. No, it is. You're right. You cracked my code. I am doing a story about twins today. <laughs> Yay! And as per usual, I haven't done one story. I like to tell you about lots of little things. A spattering of twinsies so that you can share these stories with other people or you can go and look at other podcasts and other things and learn more about them if you want it's like this is a really yeah a bunch of pocket stories in one episode my goodness god it's just a dream come true (laughs) well if i (laughs) if i know you. you at all kate i'm sure that there must be some phobia or maybe there's some science or something behind this (laughs) i definitely have something science but i'm really disappointed because i spent too much time in fact researching the phobia of twins fear of twins which of you generally speaking there is not a phobia that came up i could not find one it kept directing me to um a phobia which God, I'm not even good at pronouncing the names when I have them in front of me, but it was a fear of like skin touching. Oh, okay. Um, So let me, fear of twins. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Hap, half, half, 
Hafophobia? Hafophobia. <laughs> Hafophobia. What is hafophobia? Hafophobia is an intense, irrational fear of being touched. It is different from hypersensitivity, which is a physical pain of being touched. People with hafophobia feel extreme distress over the thought of being touched. That phobia reminds me of when you ask Siri to say ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so do yourself a favor if you haven't asked Cyril to do that for you yet. Just type in ha 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 and it's fab. Okay. It's fab. I might even cue that up for you at the end of the episode if we need to be <laughs> jolted into some lightness. Well, seeing as though there isn't a phobia for twins, how about we come up with our own phobia? fucking phobia kate oh my god i love it i love it okay hang on latin because they're all latin right yeah that's fair. okay latin word for um double oh uh duplicy duplicy duplici i just did it in my earphone <laughs> duplici oh it's very this guy's very sexy <laughs> give me a moment duplici hang on wait double Person. What is Latin word for person? Oh, it's not that challenging. Persona. Persona. So if I say double person. Oh, duplex persona. Well, it's not as exciting. It needs to be more complex. I think we're, we're onto something. Duplex. I think we are. Duplex phobia. Duplexophobia. Mm-hmm. Done. I like that. Doubles. Fear of doubles. You heard it here, folks. We're creating new English terminology. <laughs> Maybe I could um, submit it to that phobia website where they just have they just make things up. It's like Wikipedia for psychology. <laughs> All right, now we've made up a phobia. I love that. I wasn't able to track down the accurate phobia, but today's episode is all about twins. I've got some pocket book facts about some twins. Bring okay? it. This is a collection of articles that I have found. Um, the one that got me onto this is an article uh, which is from cracked.com and it is five real life stories to, of twins that are creepier than air, any horror movie. I didn't use all of them, but it was a start for me and it got me onto a rabbit hole of lots of Googling twins, which, mm. you know, I didn't have to put my safe search on at one point because <laughs> I was actually looking for freaky stories, not freaky stories. <laughs> um, now, twins, they can be freaky, but we, all under we, uh, but we all understand why they're so disturbingly alike. Not only do they share the same DNA, but they also tend to grow up surrounded by the same people, mm -hmm. playing with the same toys and doing the same things. They were most likely traumatized by the same cartoons and disappointed by the same birthday presents. It's when that they don't do any of those things and still turn out exactly the same that you should be more freaked out. Yeah. Like if so they're my on first. opposite sides of the planet or something, right? Oh, it's so funny that you mentioned that, dumb Nick. <laughs> we're twinning. Because in, we're twinning. Because in 1979, Rosemary Rawson uh, published an article which is about the comparative impact of heredity versus environment. So this is exactly what we're talking about. Did they grow up together in the same house with the same people with the same thing? What would it be if twins were separated? Mm. So this is where this article comes in. Now, an obvious experimental method would be to raise identical twins separately. But <laughs> you're not allowed to do that, apparently. <laughs> you not can't anymore. just be No, not anymore. So you can't just go to a parent and be like, hey, you, I noticed that you've had identical twins. Do you mind if we just raise them in two separate households? Is that going to work for you? Um, however, 
Thomas Bouchard had been studying twins under less than ideal lab control conditions until he ran into the stuff of a social scientist's dream. Identical twin males who had been separated by adoption at three weeks suddenly rediscovered each other in Ohio at age 39. Ooh. So they had been separated other sides of the states for 40 years. Yeah. Okay. Within two weeks after reading about them in the press, Dr. Bouchard had the twins in his Minneapolis lab for tests. At the outset of the investigation, the psychologist said, I think there are going to be all kinds of differences that will surprise even the twins. But that was immediately, but what was immediately apparent were the eerie similarities that even left Bouchard flabbergasted. Oh, baffled Bouchard. Mm, Oh, baffled Bouchard. So 40 years apart, both of these gentlemen had been christened, christened James by their adoptive parents. Oh. So they were both called James. One was James Lewis and one was James Springer. Um, they lived 40 miles away. So not super far away from each other, yeah. but they ended up 40 miles away. As schoolboys, they both enjoyed math and carpentry, but they hated spelling. They both pursued similar adult occupations. Lewis was a security guard at a steel mill and Springer was a deputy sheriff. Uh, Though at this point of the article, he was a clerk for a power company. This got me. I love this. They both married women named Linda. What? Right? So they're both called James and then they both married a woman named Linda. So you've got James and Linda and James and Linda. Living 40 miles away. Identical twins. And that would be, you know, coincidence enough. But then they both got divorced. So Linda, farewell. Mm. Linda and Linda, adios. They both got remarried. So James Lewis got married to Betty and James Springer got married to Betty. No way. Three names in a row. (laughs) So they literally married, not only married the first time, but married the second time to a woman of the same name. Baffled. Now, the Bettys and the Jameses, they both had sons. They named their sons James Allen Lewis and James Allen Springer. Oh, my goodness. This is <laughs> killing me. Get over How the wild. names, James. Right? Such but a that's common name, so right? so bonkers. Oh. Now, the, the twins, oh, sorry, the two men, well, the twins, I was right, they shared one other fact in common. As James Springer put out, I always felt an emptiness. Neither the Springers or the Lewises ever met um, the 15-year-old unwed mother of their sons, and both couples were told that their adoptive child had a twin who died at birth. Oh. So they had no idea. They were never going to look for each other. But one day when Jim Lewis was 16 months old, his mother visited the Miami County Courthouse to settle the adoption paperwork, and an official remarked offhandedly, they named the other little boy Jim too. So mum has then gone, oh, Okay, well, for 37 years, Mrs. Lewis is like, go see if you have a brother. Like, I want to know if it's true because this wasn't a comment that was offhanded. Finally, uh, he agreed to search, though he said he didn't know why. Jim Lewis wrote to the probate court, um, which had the record of adoption, and contacted the Springer parents in Piqua. I came home one day, Lewis recounts, and had this message to call Jim Springer. When he phoned Springer, Lewis blurted out, are you my brother? Yep. 
Springer replied, <laughs> and four days later, they drove to meet their, each other for an emotional reunion. Oh. So it's literally like stepbrothers. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yup. <laughs> and let me guess, they ate at Betty's Burgers or something. Oh, yeah. Linda and Betty's. Um, now, Jim Lewis, he divorced his second wife, Betty. He married another woman named Sandy. Um, but Betty and Jim Springer were present with Jim, serving as his newfound brother's best man. Oh, that's now, cute. to me, I would be worried if I was the, the second Betty I'd be like, do you know any Sandys? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not you're not going to be friends with any Sandys. That's it. <laughs> so they were the two gyms. Oh. So you can read a heck of a lot more about the two gyms. But that was one thing where I was like, yeah, I'm always curious about that, you know, um, you know, the hereditary traits versus, yeah. Nature. Environment and, yeah. Um, so that was our first little cuckoo little palate cleanser for the next story, which gets a little bit spookier. Yeah, I'm, I'm not scared honest. yet. No, no. And look, I might not scare you, but I certainly hope that I, um, you know, I hope that you react a little with some of these. I certainly did, which is why I wanted to do it. <laughs> okay. Jennifer and June Gibbons. Have you heard of Jennifer and June Gibbons, Dom? I love the name June. That's a great name. It is a cute name. I really like it. Um, maybe not so much after this, but <laughs> it's lovely nonetheless. So let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer and June and why I made that remark. In April of 1963, at the military hospital in Aden in Yemen, a pair of twin girls were born. Their births were not unusual, nor were their dispositions at infants, as infants, but soon enough their parents began to see that June and Jennifer Gibbons were not like other girls. Oh, that's ominous. Ooh. Not long after the girls hit speaking age, Gloria and Aubrey Gibbons, that's mum and dad, they realised that their twin daughters were different. Not only were they far behind their peers in regard to language skills, but they were also unusually un inseparable. And the two girls seemed to have a private language that only they could understand. Okay, now I'm spooky. I don't like it when there's there's a private language or like yeah. there's children of the corn shit going on and I'm not a uh -huh. fan of that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So <laughs> they are not developing as well as the other students at the school. They're starting to talk in this private language. Um, so Dad Aubrey said... Uh, in the home, they'd talk, make sounds and all that, but we knew that they weren't quite like, you know, normal children mm -hmm. talking readily. So dad's already picked up. He's like, there's something kooky going on here. I don't like it. It's a bit of a vibe. But anyhow, it's, it's, it's the dad. So now the Gibbons family was originally from Barbados and they'd emigrated to uh, Great Britain in the early 1960s. Though the family spoke English at home, young June and Jennifer began to speak another language, which sounded a bit like a sped up version of um, uh, Bajan Creole. Mm -hmm. Is it Bajan? Is that yeah. correct? Uh, and the two would become known as the silent twins for their unwillingness to communicate with anyone except for each other. Oh, I'm getting creeped <sighs> out here. And when you have a look at some of the pictures of them on our socials, it's like, they're cute. They're so, like super cute little twin girls, but there is something off. I, I feel uncomfortable when I'm reading this and thinking about it and looking at the pictures. So please check out our social posts. There's something off. I don't know what it is, but it creeps me. It creeps me. What would you do as a parent if you 
had you know given birth or and raised this child you know maybe a couple of years three years and they just freak you out like i'm surely that's happened in history where parents just don't like their children they're scared of their children like i know i know Uh, yeah i'm not sure what i would do um but it's it gets a little crazier with these girls i yeah it it it's like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> so, look, it wasn't only a singular dialect that kept the girls isolated, uh, but they were also the only black children at the elementary school. So that made them a target of relentless bullying and mm. that just deepened their dependency on each other. Uh, as the bullying got worse, school officials began releasing the girls early in the hopes that they could sneak out and avoid being harassed. That is bullshit garbage. Yeah. And I hate that. Obviously, this is a different time. But that's insane that the principal would think, hey, you guys go home early so that you don't get bullied and picked on. How about you fix the issue of people bullying and picking on them, you jackass? Heaven forbid. Now, by the time that the girls were teenagers, their language had become unintelligible to anybody else. So whatever they are saying to each other, nobody can understand. Mm. Uh, They had also developed other peculiarities, such as refusing to communicate with virtually any outsiders, they refused to read or write at school and they began mirroring each other's actions. <laughs> it's just, it is genuinely like bleh, creepy as yeah. creepy as. <laughs> now in 1974, a medic named John Rees noticed that the girl's strange behavior, um, or they noticed this girl's strange behavior while administering a yearly school sanctioned health check. According to Rees, the twins were unusually non-reactive to being vaccinated. He described the behaviour as doll-like and quickly alerted the school's headmaster. Ooh, yuck. When the headmaster brushed him off, noting that the girls were not especially troubled, quote-unquote, Rees notified a child psychologist who immediately insisted that the girls be enrolled in therapy. However, despite seeing several psychotherapists, psychiatrists and psychologists... The girls remained a mystery and continued to refuse to speak to anyone else. Silence is just a, is a naturally spooky thing, right? Like going back to a lot of our original stories, Kate, it mm-hmm. was that like unseen terror and, and something about silence, just someone staring and looking at you and not saying anything that is inherently just horrifying. Agreed. And particularly if it's doubled with <laughs> them talking in a language nobody gets. Mm. Like, uh, ooh, yeah, there's something about it. Um, now, in February of 1977, a speech therapist named Anne uh, Trehan met with the two girls. While refusing to speak in Trehan's presence, the two consented to having their dialogues recorded if left alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to listen to those recordings. Trehan had the sense that June wished to speak to her, but was being compelled not to do so by Jennifer. Ooh. Trehan later said that Jennifer sat there with an expressionless gaze, but I felt her power. The thought entered my mind that June was possessed by her twin. Oh, that's a thought. So look, that's a bit of a stretch from a speech therapist, potentially. Um, but good on you, Anne. You're throwing some theories out there and it, it certainly works for the creep factor of my story. So <laughs> thank you very much. Now, ultimately, the decision was made to separate the silent twins 
and send the girls to two different boarding schools. The hope was that once they were on their own, they would be able to develop a sense of self, um, that the girls would break out of their shells and that they would begin to communicate with the wider world. It was immediately clear that this experiment was a failure. Rather than branch out, June and Jennifer Gibbons withdrew entirely into themselves and became almost catatonic. At one point during their separation, it took two people to get June out of bed, after which she was simply propped against a wall, her body as stiff and heavy as a corpse. Yeah, I mean, look, I can appreciate and understand people. You're trying to do something in their best interests. Mm. Um, It is a very different time, all those sorts of things. But like disconnecting a pairing like that, just cold turkey and being like, oh, you know, they'll just come round. Yeah, I can't imagine that that was, yeah, I mean, worth giving it a try, I suppose. I can see what they were trying to do, but ultimately, yeah, it made things worse. Um, Upon being reunited, so they thought, look, this might not be working, seeing these children are catatonic now, we might just send them back to each other and see see what happens. So after being reunited, the twins held on to each other more tightly uh, and became even more withdrawn from the rest of the world. They no longer spoke to their parents except for communicating by writing letters. So they obviously understood English to a degree because if they're understanding what's being said to them and giving directions and now they're writing letters, like, so there's hope or there's potential there, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, it's definitely a, a kooky story. Like, I can see why the frustration around professionals not not understanding why they weren't speaking or mm. why they were just talking to each other. Now, when they got home, June and Jennifer, they retreated to their bedroom and they spent most of their time playing with dolls and creating elaborate fantasies that they would sometimes record and share with their sister, Rose, their younger sister. Now, by this time, Rose was the only recipient of communication in the family at all. So June and Jennifer would, would communicate with Rose Um but in a limited sense. Mm. But she was still the only one that was getting any communication at all, aside from an odd letter to mum and dad. Um, Dear mum and dad, (laughs) please wash my pants. Are you freaked out enough yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have we played this game long enough? Question mark. Um, After being gifted a pair of diaries for Christmas. For Christmas. For Christmas. After being gifted a... I just... I had a drink about... A minute ago and I have been struggling since then <laughs> you may have heard me um yeah almost choke but I'm back we're okay okay so after being gifted a pair of diaries for Christmas the silent twins began writing their plays and fantasies down and they developed a passion for creative writing so that's cool Good. everybody's got their talent now when they were 16 the twins took a mail order writing course and they began pulling together their small financial assets to publish their stories via vanity press wow so that's neat uh while the story of two young women who shun the outside world and retreat together uh sounds like a perfect situation for crafting the next great novel it proved not to be the case for the silent twins the themes of their self-published novel were as strange and worrisome as their behavior uh-oh. So it wasn't really a smash hit. It was no Harry Potter. It was no, you know, bloody Da Vinci Code, unfortunately. Um, most of the stories took place in the United States, specifically Malibu, and they centred around young, attractive people who committed grisly crimes. 
while only one novel titled The Pepsi Cola Addict about a young teenager seduced by his high school teacher made it all the way to print, that didn't stop June and Jennifer Gibbons from penning dozens of other tales. Where do where do they get this content from? Like that is that troublesome. I mean, in my mm. mind, they're ripe for being influence, you know, and something they're like sponges. And is it something happened to them that's just made them reflect back the horrible things that have happened to them? Like I'm so yeah. curious that it's fascinating. You, their initial or their first reaction is to go dark and dangerous and murdery or whatever. Like, mm. why? Now, after the printing of their book, the Silent Twins became bored with simply writing about life outside their bedroom walls. And they longed to experience the world firsthand. By the time they were 18, the girls started experimenting with drugs and alcohol oh. and they began committing petty crimes. So like you were saying, the escalation. Great idea. She begins. Yeah. I mean, they're more fun to write about when you do it, I guess. Uh, that's what that's what the silent twins think. Now, eventually, uh-oh, these crimes escalated to arson and they got arrested in 1981. Ugh. So, yeah. But soon after they were arrested, they were placed in a maximum security hospital for the criminally insane. Okay. Because they're not okay to be serving because they don't speak to anybody but each other in a language nobody gets. So I can see why that might have been the case. Now, being hospitalised at Broadmoor Hospital did not prove easy for June and Jennifer Gibbons. The high security mental health facility was not as lenient about the girls' lifestyle as their school and family had been. Instead of letting them retreat into their own world, the doctors at Broadmoor began treating the silent twins with high doses of antipsychotic medicines, which caused blurred vision for Jennifer. Mm. So they were there for almost 12 years. They lived at the hospital and their only respite was found filling page after page in diary after diary. So that was what they were doing all the time. They were just writing in their diaries. June later summarised their stay at Broadmoor. We got 12 years of hell because we didn't speak. We had to work hard to get out. We went to the doctor. We said, look, they wanted us to talk. We're talking now. You're not getting out. And then the doctor said, you're not getting out. You're going to be here for 30 years. So we lost all hope, really. I wrote a letter to the home office. I wrote a letter to the queen asking her to pardon us to get us out. But we were trapped. So that was June's impression of the lovely hospital stay they were having. Oh. I have a theory, Kate, but I'm going to let you finish your story first. Okay. It's almost there. It was toward the end of their 14-year stay at Broadmoor Hospital that the twins would pull off their magnum opus. I need to start using that phrase more often, magnum opus. Um, One day they told their only friend, journalist Marjorie Wallace. Now, Marjorie Wallace, she wrote their um, biography, which was published so you can read the biography of the silent twins Mm -hmm. now they said to her only one of us would make it out of hospital alive jennifer looked at wallace and said i'm going to die we've decided whoa so wallace is like okay that's interesting i I don't know why that's something you felt you needed to tell me (laughs) however marjorie determined 
that the twins had realized they could never be free or normal as long as they were both alive. And so, according to Wallace in later interviews by a reformed June, Jennifer agreed to be the one to die. And what do you know, on the day that they were being transferred to a lower security hospital, Jennifer suddenly passed away from a rare heart problem that was never fully explained. Oh my After God. being taken to a nearby hospital, Jennifer Gibbons was pronounced dead due, due to sudden inflammation of the heart. She was 29 years old. That is fucking weird as shit. Mm-hmm. What's even more weird is that June was released from hospital shortly after, and by all accounts, she began living a completely normal life. It seemed that the once that once the two silent twins were reduced to one, June had no more desire to stay silent. While Jennifer's untimely death was certainly shocking, so was it the, the so was the effect it had on June. She began speaking to everyone as if she had been doing that her whole life. Oh, it's so compelling. Like there was <laughs> a split soul between two bodies and or something. Yeah. You can read so much more. That is such an abridged version of The Silent Twins. But you can read the biography. You can read the rest of the article of which I took that from. There was about three or four articles that I used for little bites of information there. Yeah. I found that fascinating. I was, yeah, I was blown away by it. I thought it was so fascinating. I have only heard of this story in passing and it's always been one of those stories that I'm like, I'm going to get to one day. And I was always a bit skeptic, but I'm skeptical, but it is, you know, you've definitely piqued my interest and I I, now I need to know everything about it. But my theory, (laughs) Kate, was how often in human history have two sociopaths or psychopaths grown up as twins together and what mm-hmm. kind of an impact that would have on them being like connected and being able to share their growth and learning development everything together as twins as mm-hmm. you know brothers sisters whatever it would be a pretty rare situation but oh my goodness like maybe that was the case with these two but anyway i know and there's just something about the fact that you share dna yeah. It's just like you have the same DNA. So how, I mean, of course that's going to happen or of course that's not going to happen or I don't know. There's just so much to it. That's why I find these twin stories absolutely fascinating. Um, none so much as Sabina and Ursula Erickson, which is the next story that I'm going to tell you about. Hit me with oh. it. I love this one. I love this so much. This is my favorite. Okay, so... On a late May evening in 2008, Swedish twins Ursula and Sabina Eriksson left Sabina's home in Ireland secretly, heading to Liverpool in England. Oh, they're going to Liverpool. (laughs) Uh, Georgia's currently in, well, she was in Liverpool, and now she's in uh, Edinburgh. Um, I believe those are the correct pronunciations of all of those places. Uh, Now, they were secretly heading to Liverpool in England. Upon arrival, the twins go to the local police station to report concerns of Sabina's child in Ireland. Unsure why the women would come to England to report the incident, the local police called a welfare check to the Irish authorities. Learning that the child was fine, Sabina and Ursula got on a bus en route to London. Mm. During their trip, some of the passengers and the driver witnessed strange behaviour from the twins. The women even suggested the driver stop because they weren't feeling well. 
Uncertain of their intentions, the driver made an unplanned stop at a service station. The twins continued strange behavior. Uh, the, the twins continued strange behavior, worried the driver to the point where he didn't ask them to come back onto the coach. He was like, nah, you guys are creeping me out. Stay at the service station. You're off. Adios. <laughs> See yous. Now, the driver wasn't alone in his opinions. The manager of the service station also believed that the women were acting in a strange manner and he called the police. Now, when the police arrived, um, they spoke to the twins and judging them to be no threat, they left shortly thereafter. Uh-oh. So they're just like, hey, girls, why are you acting like cuckoos? What's going on? And then the two twins, they were just like, we're fine. We're just living our dreams here at this service station. Um, we were on a bus and now we're not. Now, once the cops left, Sabina and Ursula followed suit. So they wandered after them and they decided to walk along one of the busiest highways in England, the M6. Okay, not a good idea. Not a great idea. Now, as seen on the motorway's closed circuit cameras, so as most, you know, motorways, freeways, highways, they have traffic cameras mm-hmm. or closed circuit cameras, particularly in the UK. They have um, CCTV. Oh, my God, it's uh, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. So on the motorway's closed circuit cameras, the Ericsons walked along the M6 down the central reservation or median, so down the median strip, in between six lanes of traffic going top speed. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. <laughs> exactly. Now, without warning, both of the sisters run into traffic. Cars struck both women and traffic was disrupted. Motorists called the highway patrol and police and then expecting the worst, members of both services arrived to find the twins with just superficial injuries. They talked to the twins on the shoulder of the motorway so they allowed the traffic to to keep coming through and they were having a chat to them and at one point they ran into a group of officers who happened to be filming an episode of Highway Patrol or Motorway Cops um, and they caught the following on camera. So this is not just CCTV. This is, you know, your cops program. So whatever your equivalent is, we have Highway Patrol. We've got, yeah, all of those here. But this is the UK version of Highway Patrol slash Motorway Cops. So these twins have bonkers <laughs> their way from Ireland to London, been on a bus, kicked off a bus, just decided to walk down the motorway. They walked onto the motorway, got hit by cars, were perfectly fine, and then they were stopped by these motorway police. While the service members continued to chat, Ursula again decided to walk into traffic. Now, I'm going to play you some audio now, which is from the episode. You can watch this on YouTube. Uh, It is crazy. You can look up Motorway M6 UK Madness, um, Swedish Twins. It currently has how many views? I don't even know how to look up the the views anymore. I'm not cool. I'm not, I'm not hip. I'm not down with the kids. <laughs> Listen to this and then I'll tell you a little bit more about oh, the I'm story. I'm so scared. Don't. <laughs> but as they approach, both women run into the fast lane. One directly into the path of a car. This is turning into a serious incident and the motorway cops are being called in to help. As the cops arrive, the situation appears calm. Incredibly, the two women seem to be uninjured. Nice to stop, 
the highways officer came over to speak to us and he started to inform us what had actually gone on, where these women had actually come from. Right, what we've got is they were in the central res. Why? Do we know? Exactly. Are they speak English? Speak one speaks English, are yeah. The one in the red, Yeah. we had a block coming up. Right. Because we knew they were on camera. A full closure? Full closure northbound. Yeah. They were trying to cross the Bravo. So as we approached, they did. They hadn't seen this mother. The red ones got knocked down by the red car over there. I've got an ambulance en route for her. Right. She seems all right, but I'm not a doctor. She has been knocked down. Is by she the one that speaks English or the other one? Yes. Right. The other one. She's gonna run. Oh no! Mike Alpha, Mike Alpha. We need ambulance. Senior officers to the scene. We've got two possible fatals. What? The okay. fuck? So as these gentlemen are explaining what has happened, so they've already, both of these twins have already been hit by a car. As they are explaining what's happened, these two twins are standing on the median and the police officers are standing next to another car having this conversation. And you would have heard the screeching of the wheels. That was a 40-ton box truck that ran over Ursula, crushing her legs. She ran straight out into traffic on the motorway and got hit by a fucking truck oh my lord then sabina did the same thing and she jumped jumps into oncoming traffic and she is struck by a car at high speed she smashes into the windshield she's thrown into the air and she lands on the tarmac what's going on oh it's just unbelievable because obviously they were not expecting this to happen on motorway patrol but you can watch the episode and none of it is like censored so trigger warning and like be very you know mindful sensitive content warning you watch this woman run out and get hit and go under the wheels of a fucking semi-trailer it's horrendous obviously these cops are like what the hell so straight away i just pause that audio at you know two possible fatals and that's all they know at this point you can then go on and watch another 10 minutes of this episode i will give you the the crux of what happens to these twins <laughs> but that got me i was like what the fuck are you doing yeah i'm you so confused <laughs> so suffering multiple compound fractures ursula screamed for police even though that they were trying to help her um she screamed at the police so she was spitting at them and hissing at them so ursula is the one that was you know (laughs) her legs are crushed so she's not feeling well but at the same time the cops are trying to help her and she is spitting at them hissing at them saying they were fake saying that she knew who they were that they weren't real and then she was unconscious for several minutes Um, but then we had, uh, Sabina, who was the one hit by the car. She got up and started fighting the police. She starts punching one really hard in the face. She runs into traffic again on the other side of the motorway. So the cops are like, what the fuck is going on? You crazy bitches. What are you doing? How is she up again? Twice. She's been hit by a car twice. She ping ponged off the fucking screen and the front of the car and she's fighting the cops oh so she's screaming to the sister that people are trying to steal her organs and her sister's bloody uh, you know she's got one knee behind her head and she's just in all sorts the cops said that sabina had superhuman strength and it required six police people and motorists to subdue and restrain her finally the twins were taken to a local hospital but the story continues to get even 
weirder. What is going on? Like so unreal. So these two twins have come from Ireland, gone to the cops. Something's wrong with my kid. They call. They're like, "Why are you in London? Like, why are you in Liverpool?" To ask us that. Okay, no problems. Then they go on a bus. They're being weird on the bus. Kicked off the bus. Walk down the motorway. Walk into traffic. Get hit once. Get looked after. Get hit again. Start punching up the coppers. They finally get to hospital. That's our cliff notes for what's happened so far. Because it just blew my mind Mm. of what was going on. At hospital, the paramedics rushed Ursula to surgery while the other staff evaluated Sabina. She exhibited a calm demeanor. She answered most questions in a congenial manner. A far cry from the savage behavior that she displayed on the motorway, wanting to punch everybody. She even joked with the staff. Now, the toxicology screens show that there were no drugs or alcohol in Ursula's system at all. Mm. But Sabina was not tested. So Sabina is the one who has kicked off punching everybody. She wasn't tested. Not sure why. But Ursula, who's got crushed under a 40-ton truck, she was fine. No, like nothing in her system that would suggest why she would run in traffic twice. This state of behavior, yeah. Correct. Um, now the bags that the twins were very protective over, so they had those, they held one passport and several cell phones. So a bit, bit interesting. After seeing several professionals, uh, they all deemed that Sabina did not exhibit any signs of mental or psychological illness. And she was released after being charged and sentenced to one day of custody, which was considered served while at hospital. The entire time that Sabina was questioned, she never gave a reason for being in England and she never once asked about her twin sister, Ursula. See, this is where this story goes off the rails a little bit for me and we just assume when someone is evaluated Mm -hmm. in such a short period of time, like you can't just sit down and have a one-hour conversation or a two-hour conversation with with someone who has just done what they've done and be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they seem polite and nice enough. No, they must be perfectly fine. Like, Yeah, they seem all right. I just don't buy that that is a thorough evaluation Assessment. of someone's of sure. mental health state. Because wouldn't you be like, I just find all of this a bit kooky. Not only did you run into traffic once, you did it again, and you've also not asked about your twin um, who was crushed by a truck. Uh, just depressing question. The the absolute top questions that I would probably ask. Yeah, like <laughs> there's like, a reason why you've done this. Yeah. And if they can't give you an absolutely crystal clear, confident, reasonable <laughs> answer, that would be just the absence of uh, an answer that is plausible Agreed. suggests that they are not in a stable and healthy frame of mind. Correct. Period. Now, Exactly. So Sabina doesn't care what Ursula's doing or what's happened to her, if she's even fine or, you know, not dead. So Sabina's at the hospital and they were like, well, you can go. Um, so she was free to, free to leave, but she didn't have anywhere to go or anywhere to stay. Um, so she just sort of left the hospital and she's wandering around. Now, Glenn Hollingshead, <coughs> quite the surname, Glenn Hollingshead oh, and his friend Peter Malloy, Uh, walked home from the pub with Glenn's dog when they saw Sabina standing on the side of the road. She asked to pet the dog and asked if there are any local bed and breakfasts or hotels in the area. Unfortunately, there were none in the area, but after hearing that Sabina was looking for her sister, looking for her, I know where she is, you cuckoo cachoo, she's in the effing hospital. Now, 
Um, Sabina's like, I'm looking for my sister. So Glenn said, well, why don't you just stay at my place? Um, and I'll call around to local hospitals to see if I can find her. Mm. Hint, it's the one she's standing in front of. <laughs> um, so Peter joined Glenn and Sabina for a while, but he left uh, when Sabina was acting a bit weird. She would stand up suddenly. She would peek through the curtains, look up and down the street as if someone was following her. So at that point, I'd be like, homie, you should go. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling great about this. There's something off about this bird. Yeah, she might need help. How about we help her? Yeah. Um, now she would offer both men cigarettes and just before they lit them, she would snatch the smokes from them and put them back in her pack. I couldn't imagine anything more annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? When they asked her why, she said that they were probably poisoned and that they shouldn't smoke them. And while she was smoking one of the cigarettes from the pack. See, that's classic paranoia right there. (laughs) There's a lot going on for this poor little Sabine's. Now, while with Glenn and Peter, Sabina never complained about pain and she didn't exhibit any behaviour of someone that had just been ran over by two cars. Yep. In the morning, Glenn continued to make phone calls trying to locate Sabina's sister. He recruited his brother in the search as well. I feel so bad for this Glenn guy. He's trying to be a good Samaritan. Yeah. And, you know, she could have just said, oh, I know exactly where she is. Um, But he recruited his brother in the search as well. Sabina didn't seem distressed at all. Later that day, Glenn asked his neighbour for some tea bags. In the middle of washing his car, the neighbour told him that he'll bring a few bags over after he's finished washing his car. Almost immediately after Glenn returned to his home, he staggered outside, pouring blood from four stab wounds. He told the neighbour she stabbed me and collapsed. Shortly after, Sabina fled Glenn's house carrying a hammer. Oh, Sabina... A passing motorist stopped to help her when he noticed that she was smashing herself in the head with the hammer. He was repaid for his assistance by a roofing tile being slammed into his head. Sabina fled again and was pursued by responding authorities. They followed her to a bridge where she immediately jumped from a height of 30 feet, breaking both of her ankles and fracturing her skull. Sabina once again was rushed to hospital and it would be months before her her and her twin would be released. Ursula was allowed to return to her family in Sweden while Sabina was charged. Sabina's trial was postponed for a long time while the authorities tried to get her medical records from Sweden. Eventually, she pled guilty to lesser charges. She was assessed by two different forensic psychiatrists. When questioned, Sabina gave only one answer, no comment. She served two and a half years of a five-year sentence, after which she returned to Sweden as well. During her incarceration, Sabina never led on about why her and her sister were in England, what happened that day on the M6, or what happened with Glenn Hollingshead. She never spoke of her sister, and investigation into the twins' past didn't show any history of mental illness or psychosis. Some suggest that Ursula's original psychosis affected Sabina, causing her to do things that ended in the unfortunate murder of Glenn Hollingshead and one of the most bizarre cases that we have ever seen. Oh, gosh, it's like, um, you know, (laughs) when you hear these stories (laughs) in like rapid fire, it's a bit, you just don't know what to say or how to process it right because it's just so intense. 
Is that not one of the most crackers stories you've ever heard? So Kate and I didn't discuss this story beforehand. And when she mentioned, the only thing she mentioned that she was going to do an episode on twins, I was like, I wonder which one she's going to pick. And I'm so glad you picked these because they really are the best examples of, you know, really extreme situations obviously i'm sure there's lots of twin stories but you know i could not get over it oh there are there are podcasts and i think there's books even where they've you know they've gone into all the details of these stories in quite a lot of length so hats off to you kate it's actually really difficult to try and condense these stories down into something but still include enough detail yeah yeah (laughs) so i just couldn't get over that sabina and ursula one that just boggled my little brain i forgot to mention as well pop culture yeah i don't think i mentioned this did i so the silent twins has been made into a film so the based on the biography by marjorie wallace the uh, film had its premiere at the 2022 Cannes film festival uh-huh. and it is scheduled to be released in the united states by focus features on sep- sep- september 16th 2022 oh my gosh so, a month from now so it's like a fresh pop culture um it looks horrendous and terrifying but if that's your bag do it <laughs> um yeah we have to watch that absolutely so that's our pop culture reference for the week i mean and then you can go ahead and watch motorway uk and watch sabina and ursula just absolutely like tear shit up on the m6 <laughs> so messed up i feel so so bad for for glenn and i feel really bad for that other man that got smacked in the head by a roof tile for trying to help yeah when i first Awful. heard of this story and even our Boopod network i think are thinking of doing a group um like a group telling of this story maybe in the future but the first time i ever heard this story they came at it from the lens of possession Mm. as a possibility of what happened or witchcraft um, of these two sisters. But that's just one, like, I'm sure there's so many theories out there. Oh, and I just, yeah, if you, if you want to hear a bit more, look, I'll potentially do a more in-depth on some of those. Maybe when the movie comes out for Silent Twins, oh, I don't know. But I just had so much fun researching this. I just find it such a kooky story and just that was that was bananas that uh ursula and sabino just got me i was just fascinated by it so i hope it's something you that you know if you're listening now that you haven't heard before or something you got a little bit more information about or maybe you can go and watch that youtube vid or the movie it's just so it's just fun (laughs) (laughs) well done kate i love how excited you are about this i'm so excited (laughs) i couldn't get over it it just gets me every time you found a you found a good one oh all right well i guess uh you know we'll see everyone next week Um, certainly will I've got a I've got a very gruesome tale to tell. Yes, I love gruesome tales. Yeah, this is a That's ten amazing. out of ten for 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 Dom. So you know, amazing. Don't eat wait. beforehand. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure I don't. No snacks for Kate, and I cannot wait to hear it. And thank you guys so much for joining us. We love you very much. And um, sorry, I said lots of f words if you are a student and listening to this, but it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And please go check out our socials. Please jump on our Patreon. 
it just donate whatever you can it's a huge help to us you don't even have to do it forever you can even just do a one-off donation we really appreciate it absolutely we love you so much and dom i love you and i hope you're feeling a little more peppy and i'll talk to you so soon okay i love you kate love you bye that's a wrap big shout out to everyone for tuning in to shit and bricks don't forget to subscribe rate and review us plus you can find extra little nuggets on our socials next week we'll be back talking more shit so do not forget to tune in and remember to wipe flush and wash your hands goodbye